What would you go through to seek a better life? Would you collect your family and flee in the middle of the night? Avoiding the watchful eyes of tyranny as you board a vessel to the new world. Would you travel over 4,000 miles, almost 66 days, on a ship as it's beaten relentlessly by rogue waves? You'd battle sickness and hunger, only to arrive and face the next challenge. Building a new life, a town, a community. For many in colonial times, these were the decisions they faced. A trek across the Atlantic in hopes of freedom from oppression. But what if the people you settled with weren't exactly as they seemed? What if their reason to leave was something far more nefarious? Something supernatural. After all, these were ominous times. And curses can't ever really be outrun. My name is Aaron Sauerland, and this is Campfire Stories. Tonight, we're very excited to have Adam Maffei with us around the fire. Adam, you want to tell us about yourself? Hey, um, thanks for having me. I am a film, television, and commercial producer, and uh, I like telling stories. Nice. And uh, where are you from? I bopped around a lot growing up. I always find uh, it hard when people ask me, where are you from? Because for the first half of my life, I moved pretty much every three years. So I've come to the habit of just saying where I went to high school, and and I did spend a long time in Connecticut. So Connecticut is my my where I'm from answer, and it's uh, where I will be telling you a story from today. How long were you in Connecticut for? Mm, from 10 to 23, but I moved away in periods in that, but from 10 to 23, and my, my mom is still there, so that's still home base. We have a lot of listeners from all um, around the world, actually, so I want to paint the picture of, you know, what is Connecticut like, you know, specifically your area of Connecticut geographically and, and um, you know, to you. Connecticut is a very beautiful place. Uh, it's... It's about as visually idyllic as you can get uh, when it comes to lush green forests and all the amazing colors of fall. I mean, that would be the, the reason to go to Connecticut. It's also, you know, one of the oldest states in the United States, so there's a ton of history there. And that feels like it feels striking when you see how old some of these houses are. It's like kind of inspiring to be in some of these buildings that... Uh, you know, have been up for a hundred plus years. But I think all of that paints the picture of why Connecticut is one of the most haunted states in the United States because it it, it has all of this rich history and old money and, and houses and mad hatters and ghosts. And the, the town over from me is suicide high. It had the highest suicide rate and, and there's lots of hauntings in that high school. Uh, one of the oldest ghost stories in the United States, The Woman in White. And in that regard, it's almost like a Roswell, New Mexico for ghosts and, mm-hmm. and, and hauntings. It's also where the um, the family from um, the horror movies, 
the Annabelle movies. The Conjuring. Yeah, The Conjuring. That yep. that family's from Connecticut, and they did all of their uh, dealings in and around Connecticut. Yeah, that was the first thing um, when you started talking about Connecticut's history. The first thing I thought of was that family in The Conjuring, because I know that that house and that story is in Connecticut. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think for people who don't know of Connecticut or, or what it's like, they probably do know. It's just that they're not aware of how many of these stories uh, originate from this one single state. Yeah, I think something that I think is interesting to Connecticut is that there's a lot of winding, dark, unlit roads that connect towns. And once you leave one town, you might be on another you know, dark road for a couple miles before you get to the edge of another town. And uh, what happens in those in-betweens is, is definitely still spooky. You don't want to run out of gas in any of those. You know, you don't want to pop a tire and you sure as hell don't want to hit a deer uh, because you're sort of, you know, in the middle of nowhere at that point. Right. All right. So, Adam, I think it's time. Why don't you take us over to Kent Falls, Connecticut, and tell us the story of Dudley Town. Growing up, uh, my group of friends loved horror and loved weird things. I don't want to say we loved the occult, but we, you know, were intrigued by the mysterious. And it became a great pastime for us to look up the most haunted places or look up weird places and go not just in Connecticut but all over the northeast and and seek them out and go on night hikes or or, or you know go go see if we can see ghosts or what what our own experiences were and uh, the one that we kept going back to and uh, certainly had the most interesting time at and, and that I connect with the most is Dudley Town. Dudley Town is somewhere that you won't believe me exists because it just doesn't seem like something you'd find in Connecticut or in the United States per se. And uh, I would love to tell you that I have done research on this, but I thought I would tell this the way that it was told to us growing up. Uh, so whether it's fact or fiction, it's certainly the, the local lore of how Dudley Town came to be. Yeah, I understand. The mystery or the story is that late 1800s, early 1900s, there was a a settlement founded by the Dudley family. And there's a main, the Dudley family, husband, wife, and and a few children. And they had other people that moved to that town with them uh, near Kent Falls. And they built their churches, they built their their town, their houses, their everything, you know, built around the agriculture of that area. And Mr. Dudley uh, went away on business shortly after establishing the town. And um, while he was away, Mrs. Dudley uh, went crazy and killed their children. And uh, when he came home, she killed him. And that would be its own contained event. But as the story goes, everyone in the town had gone crazy and killed their spouses, their family members, their neighbors, and little by little, everyone either murdered each other or fled for their lives. And no one 
to this day knows what caused that, but it is believed to be a great source of evil, and uh, and it's certainly um, somewhere a lot of the occult is practiced now, and uh, it's a pretty wild place to to see because since since the events uh, of all the murders and everything they had destroyed all the roads and all access points to the town so now it's it's just a town in the middle of the woods in connecticut wow <laughs> um so have you been have you been to deadly town you said you you and your friends yeah so uh what's funny about it is that the juxtaposition of dudley town is that it's directly next to kent falls and Kent Falls is sort of this like beautiful hiking picnic area that you would like take your family to or go on a date at or like spend a day playing frisbee with your buds. Um, so we used to go to Kent Falls all the time. Uh, it's like a series of waterfalls and you can hike up them or you can swim in the pools or you, I think there's like sort of natural water slides you can do and there's nice, um, like that iconic uh, red uh, like farmhouse kind of bridge you know you have to go through to get to the park itself um, so we spent a lot of time there and uh, and then you would wait for nightfall and then try to survive the night at Dudley Town that was that was how it was introduced to us it was you, you hear the story of Dudley Town how everyone went crazy and, and killed each other and how it's this evil place and could you go camp there with your friends for the night or could you go hike there at night and and survive or or what would happen if you went there and like it's uh you know the pissing contest of like yeah i'm not afraid i'm not afraid yeah we can go do it i'll do do it you know and then you go and do it and you run home scared anyway yeah 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 so we we loved it we used to just go not all the time but certainly a couple times a year for sure yeah okay so walk us through a trip to Dudley Town. Tell us what that's like. Maybe the first time is the most memorable time, but for us, I think all of it's heightened because Kent Falls was like an hour from our town on old Connecticut roads as is. I'm sure people live in houses in Kent Falls and are very lovely and fine, but it's it doesn't feel very... Um, it feels like you're in the middle of nowhere. You know, it feels like you're in the woods in the Northeast. And then the beacon of light is Kent Falls. You know, this beautiful park that has a waterfall in it. And and I think something that also adds to this is that there's not a path to get to Dudley Town. There's not like a hiking trail that goes there. There's not like, uh, in Connecticut, we had deer tracks and in, in California, we have like uh, coyote trails. Um, but there's not like an animal path that you can kind of follow where it's like sort of beaten down through the brush and you can you follow something. Dudley Town is sort of like set your compass and walk this way until you hit something. And that makes it even more like a Bermuda Triangle of, uh, of spatial awareness where you, you just know you, you get off the road around this point and you hike this direction. Yeah, wow. That's crazy. So you, you go with your friends, you hike uh, for whatever it is, 30 minutes, an hour into the woods. And I remember the first thing that I saw was the foundation of a home, which is not super uncommon in Connecticut, but like 
a little striking when you're in the middle of nowhere to just like all of a sudden see, you know, the first floor of a house and a chimney. And that's when we were like, okay, we're here. Like we're in Dudley town. And then you, you go a little further and you start to see where roads had been. Uh, now it's almost like field like, um, picture, a picture a suburban neighborhood with, uh, you know, in 1800s, late 1800s, a neighborhood, right? Where there's a home on either side of a road and there's maybe a church and there's maybe some sort of a downtown area. Um, and then delete the asphalt and delete the sidewalks and delete anything that was a wood picket fence, you know, or maybe some of it's still there, but it's dilapidated and, and replace it with overgrown grass and, uh, fallen rock walls and just chimneys standing in the middle of nowhere and it's like almost like you don't know that you're in you don't know that you're in the middle of a town until all of a sudden you realize you're in the middle of a town wow i couldn't imagine how eerie that feeling is yeah i'm a big believer on um like gut instinct or or uh inherent intuition um not in any like fringe mystical sense but i do believe that uh on some level your senses eyes ears you know smell whatever are picking up on something that maybe your uh main thought consciousness isn't picking up on Mm. and when your body is saying like get out get out get out or this isn't good you know like this isn't right don't be here um, I, I think that, that on some level your subconscious is picking up on something that's it's telling you like end of life is near let's get going uh, and, and I, I think that from, from the workplace to Dudley Town that, that I trust that or believe in that if something doesn't feel right on some level I feel like you're picking up on it uh, and, mm. and sensing that and uh, this is probably a good segue back to uh, one of the main feelings in Dudley Town is that the what's scary about Dudley Town? I'd love to tell you that there's ghosts or that there's a, a monster that lives there or or, or something, and, and it's not that. It's that the place itself is evil, right? That's what everybody believes is that the place itself is evil, and it feels evil. It feels like a town murdered each other there. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I don't know how else to describe it other than like when you're there, you sense that. I think that's an interesting point with a lot of people that I've talked to about these places. You know, a lot of times it's it's always hinged on tragedy, and um, it's almost as if like these tragedies stain the the land. Mm-hmm. So, I do think there's something to say about the energy shifting in an area based on the type of energy that was there at one time. Oh, I I fully believe in that, and I would equate it to that hair on the back of your neck standing up that fight or flight get out of here now feeling that is the feeling you walk into when you go to Dudley Town wow and um one of the the pieces of the lore is that when you're there there's no animals and no birds and uh Spooky. Yeah, uh, and it's because, you know, it's so evil that animals and birds have this sixth sense and they know to not even go to Dudley Town. I can't tell you how eerie it is because it's almost like one of those things that you can't understand until you experience it, but, like, the absence of birds chirping and 
movement of a squirrel in your peripheral or, or a deer in the woods or birds flying or any of that, when, when, you, when you have none of that, it's noticeable and it's, it's unsettling. And um, we experienced it and it is, it, I can tell you from you know, personal experience, it's real. Like, yeah, I don't know why there's no birds or animals there, but it's certainly noticeable once you get into the town that there's nothing else there. And that in and of itself creates a tone that, like, this is not something or somewhere the living should be. That's a good way to put it. I love that. You know, you talk about these, like, occult groups and so on. Like, are you seeing things like... um, Dead animals. Oh, um, really? Oh, yeah. Altars of variety of sorts where you can see... In reality, how scary is a melted candle or a series of melted candles? But when you, like see a series of melted candles in Dudley Town uh, on a rock slab uh, as a made-up altar, it, it does make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And there's a lot of symbols carved into the trees and, and on rocks, both carved or graffitied or scratched. But the real fear present day is uh, there's so many cult communities or, or satanic communities that are uh, inspired to go there and uh, not commenting on those communities in any way, power to you, but uh, the ones that were there when we were there were probably more likely to commit murder than not. Um, So that was a very, very real added element of fear when you were there was never knowing if you were going to be assaulted, you know? Um, and, And when you set the tone that, you know, there's no sounds and then you're also worried that is someone going to come up behind you with a knife and make you the next uh, sacrifice to the gods? Uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely trips you out when you're uh, hiking or spending the night in a in a tent. Every sound becomes any anything becomes that much more heightened because you're like, okay, what is this? If there's no animals and no birds, what just made that noise? That's a good point. That's a good point. It's a it's a real life haunted house kind of vibe. Wow. So how how long have you like what's the longest you've stayed in Dudley Town? Have you have you spent the night? Have you actually made it? No, we've never I've never made it the whole night. I don't think any of my friends ever made it the whole night. I think four hours, five hours is the longest we've ever made it before it feels either too eerie, too spooky, or too real that something's not right and you need to get out of here. And then it becomes a a terrified mad dash back to your car and you know <laughs> go back to somebody's house and turn all the lights on and pray that nobody followed you of course i think yeah. i think everyone who's ever um anyone who's ever gone go- like ghost hunting or or even gone to any of these um local or urban legend spots or anything uh knows exactly that feeling you just described yeah of um you know there's always a point where like your fear is building in the back of your mind and um you know, like you said, especially especially for a place like Dudley Town, but like you said, like every sound is is emphasized and, and every noise is is um, exaggerated to be more menacing than it is, and it's kind of building into that one point. Like there's always one moment where um, something happens that sets you over the edge, and like everyone goes running or everyone's like had it. <laughs> yeah. And then um, you know you like race back to your car and you get in and you drive off or whatever and then you kind of like laugh and you like (laughs) release um i feel like that's a very 
recognizable experience. Yeah. All right, well, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, thank you, Adam, for being with us tonight. And um, before you go, I, I like to wrap up every night with like a charity shout out. Is there a charity or an organization that you want to highlight? Yeah. Um, I did some work both creatively and personally for a company called me to we and they are uh, an organization that goes around the world and partners with communities and uh, only communities that want them to be partnered with and me to we asks them what is your community doing what are you known for is it woodworking is it bead art is it uh, a certain type of food, and then Midui works with them to establish the foundations and pillars of how to make their community flourish. So they'll they'll set up schools and they'll set up um, you know water towers and everything. But in setting the the water towers up, they also establish a business and train people to use the water towers and and maintain the water towers. Um, because a lot of other uh, people will go and build a water tower in a community and never train the community on how to use it or how to maintain it. And then it just becomes junk because once it stops working, the people no longer can do anything with it. And Midui doesn't like that. So they, they work with the community, they train them, they create a job for them, they create an uh, economy for them on the global scale by setting up websites and outlets for their goods and services to be sold on the global market all with the goal of helping the community continue on their own after five years. And it's not like me to we will, will separate from them in five years and like say like, good luck, we, we did all this for you. But, um, but they do, the goal is that they work alongside you and get you to where you wanna be to be self-sustaining. And then the community can go on and, and flourish on their own. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, that's a great, like honestly, like a great cause. It's um, terrific. Yeah, I liked it a lot. So we'll go ahead, we'll link me to we in the show notes. So if anyone wants to go donate or give them a hand or um, anything like that, they can go ahead and do that. All right, and then so with that, thank you, Adam, again. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, dude. Of I course. love it. I really appreciate it. It's fun. Thank you, man. And then uh, we'll be in touch. This episode of Campfire Stories was produced by me, Aaron Sauerland, with music by Brandon C. Stanley. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at campfirestories underscore podcast to keep up with new episode drops and more exclusive content.